Hello, I'm Nikhil. And I'm Shankar. This is Chai Across Generations. This is episode 28, Me or We? How do we balance family and friends? I love that question, Shankar. And we'll get to that later in the episode. But uh, just to give some context, we are in the middle of our series on individualism versus collectivism. We've talked about our experiences growing up in individual and collective spaces, and the idea of having privacy across generations, especially with our parents. Yes, if you haven't listened to the previous two parts and didn't hear Nikhil's advice to me on using Instagram, you can go back and check out episodes 26 and 27. And Nikhil, I haven't done anything dangerous on Instagram yet. (laughs) Good to hear, Shankar. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Although I have set up some tutorials from my daughter in the coming weeks on how to use oh, it. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Tutor- yeah. Are those publicly available to our listeners too? <laughs> I don't think you want to see me uh, you know, uh, in my early stages, but once I'm you know, a little better, you'll see the products. Right? right. Okay. Fair enough. And even if you haven't heard those previous episodes, you can also just jump into this conversation. Uh, since it covers different topics related to individual versus collective space. So on today's episode, you'll hear us chat about the challenges of navigating emotional space with our parents, the different perceptions of how much time we spend between family versus friends across generations, and some of the benefit of building guilt-free relationships. We'll come back at the end to wrap things up. Here we go. The growth of an individual and from from childhood to adolescence to an adult necessarily involves their exploring spaces, which maybe they're not always comfortable sharing with their parents. Right. Does that make sense? And so, you know, digital is another dimension. It does. It does. The other thing I say to expand this topic a little bit, Mm -hmm. it's not just with parents, Mm -hmm. but also with relatives, Mm -hmm. especially if you grow up in this country, in the sense that. I was always aware, mm-hmm. not only, okay, what are my parents saying on social media, mm-hmm. but what are the aunties and uncles or grandparents or whoever in India who might be following me right. seeing in India? Right. Because there's That's a little right. bit there's of a, a oh, difference. who's that? Yeah. And in particular, what I was most sensitive to mm-hmm. is if I appeared in a photo mm-hmm. with a girl. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Especially a one-on-one photo or whatever. Right. Which might be and in my case, was totally innocuous or innocent and didn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. But if that photo shows up, right. let's say two people are smiling in the photo, right. you know. Should we book some, the Kalwar, say, <laughs> Some relative in India might see and say, yeah. hey, what's going on? And yeah. that starts up a phone call. That starts up conversation. And then you have to answer to it later. Yeah. Yeah. So I was very aware of being photographed in bigger groups. Yeah, that's interesting. Or individually versus in smaller groups. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 My gosh. Uh, I know, it's yep. the whole thing. You have to think a lot about it. Or at least I did. Maybe it might be different. I'd be curious to hear from our listeners too what right. they did. Right. Um, like you said, it's, it's a form of information mm-hmm. gathering or information sharing, mm-hmm. <laughs> unintentional or not. I do think too, the, the other thing about private space is, at, at least in the digital space, mm-hmm. you kind of have to have a set policy. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if you start friending parents mm-hmm. and that first cousin, mm-hmm. you better be ready to friend the rest of them. Right. Because then you, it leads to questions of, like, why am I allowed to see your profile? Why does 
this cousin allowed to see your profile the other cousin might say um, wait a minute right. why am i not allowed to? you know it's right, right, right. i think it's a little bit challenging so you either have in my opinion mm-hmm. it's simpler to mm-hmm. say either you know what no one or this anyone. yeah this set of folks however they're related to you mm-hmm. i'm just gonna say no mm-hmm. or i'm gonna let them all in mm-hmm. when there's a pick and choose it might lead to some friction or tension Oh, this is very enlightening for me, Nikhil. As I embark <laughs> on my journey to uncharted exactly, so on the yeah. digital plane, yeah, it's very interesting. Let me ask you this: mm-hmm. private space. Mm-hmm. What about emotional space? Oh wow, that's a powerful one. Yeah, between parents and children, in particular, but right. between generations, how do we think about space from an emotional perspective? Yeah, that's a that's a very 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 uh, pertinent question, and I think that. If you ask me, if that space is not treated with respect, um, it can be, I believe, the source of a lot of intergenerational trauma. Yes. So, for instance, uh, especially a child has a very sensitive incident um, and that emotional space, how it is respected, treated, um, permitted, or, or denied right or or negated or trivialized can make it uh very hurtful mm-hmm. down the line so I, I, that's a very good point I, i'm glad you brought it up yeah yeah i'm also thinking about as a child mm-hmm. if you're experiencing some type of emotional hardship right and you feel like you're you can handle it yourself mm-hmm. or let's say as a teenager mm-hmm. if you're a teenager and you think oh, i'm going through this hard thing i'm just gonna handle it myself mm-hmm. but let's say your parents are thinking I need to help them with this. Mm. I don't want to see my kids suffer. Right. I don't want to see them be sad. Right. And so you push a little bit mm-hmm. or you probe a little bit. Mm-hmm. I guess that's where I see space, private space questions come into oh. be contested, really. Right. Right. Is, hey, what's wrong? I want to help you. Mm. I'm here to help you versus I need my space. Yeah. And I honestly think uh, maybe the answer, uh, I, I'll, I'll try to propose a, a, a strategy for forward. <laughs> I think eventually we all want to develop emotional resilience mm-hmm. as adults, mm-hmm. which means that we are not going to run away from things that provide emotionally sensitive triggers to us. Right? Mm-hmm. We, if we try to protect ourselves all the time from anything emotional, we are going to be complete disasters in mm-hmm. a social space. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Right? But we have to acknowledge that we are going to react to them and we have to find a strategy to respond to them in a healthy way. Yes. Does yes. that seem reasonable? Yeah. So I think when parents try to be overprotective, so one extreme is, you know, I don't want my child to feel anything bad. That's kind of ridiculous. Right? Yeah. On the other hand, if you go back to what I feel may happen a lot in traditional societies that, you know, yeah, go out there, you know, get, get whacked around and you'll be fine. Right? Yeah. You'll only build immunity if you get yeah. um, beat up. Right. is not a good example. I mean, that's what justifies a lot of bullying and ragging that it will build character. But if you don't provide the tools to make that person emotionally resilient, that doesn't mean, like I said, protecting them from everything. Mm-hmm. It means actually letting them have those interactions, but then coming back, having a space to recognize what they are. How do you deal with it? How do you cope with this in a healthy way? How do you, in some cases, push back maybe? Or how do you protect yourself? I think if those behaviors are not taught, um, you can have two extremes. One is somebody who gets traumatized and is kind of scarred. Or on the other hand, someone who's so protected and so sensitive that even if you say one thing, they're going to just collapse and that's the end of the world. And, mm. and, and I think parents are maybe need a lot of um, self-growth in learning to walk that tightrope. Right. Balance. Yeah. 
And I think this ties back to how we were raised. Mm -hmm. Because if we look at parents, today's generation of parents, they may not have had much emotional space with their parents. That's right. Right? Especially if you're growing up in a household where you're sharing the the bedroom, there's one bedroom for the whole family, or whatever else. You don't have the, you literally don't have the physical space to process your own challenges. It's always communal. Then when you have a kid, and let's say you live in America, and you have a three-bedroom house, right. you still might have that instinct of, oh, I see this person struggling. Right. I'm here to help. Let's, let, me, yeah. let me lean in. Versus that kid might be thinking, hey, I, yeah. I don't need your help right now, right. or I, I'm feeling overwhelmed or right. flooded. Mm-hmm. I need to focus on this first, and I'll pull you in for help. Yeah. It's a different model. That's a fantastic, that's very perceptive, Nikhil, actually, the way you, I think you articulated the problem in a much uh, clearer way mm-hmm. as to how it's experienced uh, in America than I did. Mm. So uh, I built on what you said, so <laughs> I, I couldn't have gotten there without your, your framing. I'm <laughs> uh, being generous, I think. So, but then the question of what are the resources that this person who's feeling flooded or does not want, does, wants to keep that private emotional space, what resources, other resources right. do they have? Right. And how can parents contain that uh, natural tendency to jump in and help right right and i think within private space there's also a factor Mm -hmm. of what other parties are allowed in that private space Mm -hmm. so for example family versus friends Mm -hmm. huge distinction right having immigrants and the children of immigrants Mm -hmm. figure out what their relationships are to family versus friends and their obligations to family versus friends right I think is a huge part of the immigrant experience. Yeah. Meaning when I was coming, growing up, mm-hmm. uh, obligation was to family first. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you then go out to see your friends, mm-hmm. there's a question like, do you really need to see your friends? Mm-hmm. Is this really what you want to do? Well, do you really not want to be here with us doing something? Yeah. Um, I remember there was once when, uh, my family used to do New Year's together. Mm-hmm. We would always bring the New Year together. And one year, I think it was my 10th or 11th grade, 12th grade, something like that, um, I decided, as a teenager, to go celebrate New Year's with my friends. Yeah. And my parents let me do it, but they were kind of upset about it. They, mm-hmm. they were sad about it. Right. Uh, and they couldn't really understand it. Yeah. You know, it was kind of, wait, why wouldn't you want to be with your family on New Year's? You're yeah. ringing in the New Year together. Yeah. But to me, at that point, I needed some space, to be honest. And I needed to say, we've done this many years over. And this year in particular, I think that year in particular, I felt closer to my friends at that point. Right. Right. Which, to be honest, if you told family I'm feeling closer to my friends than to you, that's hurtful. That's hurtful, yeah. Um, Although maybe we should destigmatize a little bit because there are times when we'll be closer to other people in our lives. But I I remember feeling that tension a bit. And and my parents were respectful, although I did remember thinking later that night. Mm At the New Year's party, right. kind of, oh, I kind of wish I was with my family. Yeah. <laughs> so I learned a little bit about myself and right. have adjusted how I spend my New Year's right. in, in more recent years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this, how do we allow our, how do we allow kids mm-hmm. to find other connections and friends? And how does that impact our private space with our kids? It might surprise you to know that we face the same thing in our generation as well. Mm, yeah. Really? It's not completely unique. With your parents? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, I mean, it's always this negotiation, like summer holidays and stuff oh, like wow. that. That was a bigger thing. 
So in summer holidays, we'd get time off from college. And I think my parents implicitly expected me that every summer holiday I'd be there with them. And after a while, it started to chafe a little bit. Mm-hmm. I would get bored. And I'd, my friends seemed to be doing other interesting things. And so there was that tension. Mm-hmm. And I think it's part of the tension of growing up into becoming an adult. Like I give you right. this metaphor of, um, you know, the little bird in a, in a nest. Mm. And I told you that in some species, they literally kick the little bird out so that it learns to fly as it falls out of the nest. Mm. And I think we have to balance the support with challenge to use a coaching <laughs> Uh, analogy. Yes, this is something we've been studying this week, so that's why I'm laughing. Right, I know, I know. It's a it's a coded, loaded code word. Yeah, exactly. We're doing a lot of support with challenge. Profession. <laughs> but I actually feel that with my... I, I even think about that in the context of interacting with my daughter, which is I want her to go out and experience other things with other people. Right. But then we also want more time with her. We want to have these quality experiences. And I think on balance... I've been able to strike a a boundary or a or a space of where she, I think, feels comfortable, mm. uh, and and it doesn't feel constrained. It doesn't feel like your parents want you more than you want to be with your friends. Right. But I mean, you have to ask her, of course, about that. Yeah. Um, but I think it's true. And on the flip side, I did feel in when I was growing up that there was a greater expectation that I should be around family than with friends. And I honestly, I don't think there's any right answer. Mm. I think uh, as we grow up, as you become an adult, you're still going to negotiate this with your spouse. Yeah. You see this, um, like in America, I know that um, many couples will say, we'll do Thanksgiving with one family and Christmas with the other family. This is the big two-week mm-hmm. festivals. And they make choices. Like you can't yeah. have everything with both families. Sure. Yeah. So once you get married, you're going to negotiate that. Yeah. So at some level, we're always negotiating with every other person on this planet mm. that we want to be closed but we also have to we have some limits on our time right and how do we do that without hurting the other person yeah yeah i agree with you mm-hmm. i would challenge you okay <laughs> <laughs> oh, this would be too easy right? yeah. <laughs> i would challenge you in that mm-hmm. if we just look at parents and kids right i would like to see parents be more open to kids having strong friendships. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Even at the expense sometimes of family closeness. Yeah. Because that mm-hmm. that's how you build resilience. Maybe I'm overgeneralizing, so mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, but I think when I think about South Asian parents right. of your generation, yeah. I think there's a little bit of a reluctance. On balance, South Asian parents are more clingy than American parents. Let's <laughs> say it out there. <laughs> Yes or no? It's true, right? I, I guess so. Yeah, I, I think that it's not a resentment right. to see friends, but it, it almost it, there's a sadness, right? Like so often growing up for me and my friends to say like, "Hey, I'm gonna go hang out with my friends." Guilt. That is a request. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of like, oh, you don't want to hang out with us. Right. Like it 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 is seen kind of zero sum. Like yeah, but it's a breeding ground for guilt. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Think about it. It is. Hmm. Say more about that. Well, I think that if I make you feel hurt mm. that by you going away, you're hurting me, you're going to feel guilty about it. Mm. And yeah. that's not a basis for a healthy relationship down the line. Right, yeah. Hard though it is to swallow in that right. instance. Right. So if you want a guilt-free relationship with your kids, you've got to negotiate that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Would you agree about this idea yeah. of of parents of your generation feeling this way about friends, or have you seen more of a variety? I think on my personal experience has been that on balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in my own, I mean, even as a parent myself, um, that probably we were more reluctant to, to you know, allow, you know, that, that kind of interaction. It was more yeah. family-based, right. home-based. Right. But as I became aware of it, at least I'm able to now rationally explain this point to you. Mm. And then hopefully in time it will, you know, I think it has already translated. Yeah, yeah, I think times are changing. But naming it, right? The first thing is you have to name what you're doing yeah, when you're doing that. Right. So if you really want a healthy, guilt-free relationship, it, you, you've got to be um, honest and yeah. right, sensible about it. Yeah. Here's a big question. Yeah. How many of the generational relationships mm-hmm. in our community do you think are guilt-based? I think there are a lot of them, right? To some extent, yeah, I think so. I would argue it might be also beyond our community. To be fair, it could just be in general. Oh, I think it is fair. How many? Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's even specific to South Asia. Right, right. Guilt is a pretty universal phenomenon. Yeah, it's a it's a powerful tool. It is a powerful force (laughs) to ensure compliance. Yeah, (laughs) but you know, I think the the flip side of it is probably that's also too much of an idealis idealization that mm. you can have any guilt relationship probably sure. all relationships sure. yeah. have a little bit of guilt maybe maybe a small amount is healthy and it's okay yeah yeah So that wraps up the third part of our conversation on individualism versus collectivism. What are you taking away from the conversation, Nikhil? Wow, Shankar, this whole idea of the obligation to our family versus our friends and the guilt that can be attached to spending time with family versus friends, it just resonates with me really, really deeply. Um, And I hope it's something we can come to a better relationship with in our community. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the other thing I was touched by in this episode is, you know, emotional space. And mm-hmm. I actually chatted with one of our listeners who shared a story where, you know, on an earlier episode, we talked about having collective space for families to grow up versus individual space. Right. And mm-hmm. this listener had shared this story with me about how as a kid growing up in India, they had two bedrooms for two kids they actually chose to have this listener and his brother stay in the same room, live in the same room, and then use the other room for work rather than having a separate room, a separate bedroom for each child. And I just found that so interesting because sometimes we assume the constraints on emotional space or physical space are physical, right? You don't have enough space for all these people. But sometimes these choices happen just from a family stance like the family i think mm-hmm. in this case might have believed it's better to have a shared emotional space than a shared physical space between brothers even though we have two rooms so they mm-hmm. they'll have one room for sleep and one room for work so i've been thinking about yeah. that too yeah go ahead a functional division of space right yeah rather than physical division right which also goes back to obligation right. to family right like what do you owe your family in that space 
that, those were all kind of coming together in my head with this episode. Yeah, very interesting. And it just seems to me also a, a fundamental difference of how we may view space itself, right? right? So as a family unit, you have each space designated for a particular function rather than each person have their own space. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well said. What, what are you taking away, Shankar? Oh, gosh, a lot. Uh, that is a very poignant piece for me. And when I say that is the bit about making the choice mm. of whether you're going to spend time and give attention and energy to family obligations or to friends. And I think it brings up a lot of, uh, you know, difficult uh, situations, um, difficult choices. And I still admire, and I know there are people who seem to navigate both seamlessly. Mm -hmm. And how they do it is truly an art. Mm -hmm. In some sense, preserving their individuality and their um, choice, but yet not hurting anyone or flouting something in a way. I think it's an art form. I've not mastered it at all. Yeah. I mean, from a distance, I'd say you do some of that pretty well. But I think uh, we can certainly learn from people who are, are really good at this. And maybe it's, it's one we revisit in a future episode. Yeah, I think from a distance is key, <laughs> is the key phrase. There. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a saying that the mountains are distant because they're far away. They're so far yeah. away. <laughs> I mean, they're pretty because they're so far away. Yeah, yeah. Right? Right? That's yeah, fair. Yeah. That's what I meant. Right. Yeah. So I think when we come, when when you yeah, when you look at things closely, we always see, or when we look at a mirror, we see those those challenges. But maybe you're right. Maybe everyone has. But but I think there's a skill set there. Yeah, absolutely. There's something to be learned. Yeah. Absolutely. So to our dear listeners, you can reach out to us on our Instagram page, Chai Across Generations, or our email at chayacrossgenerations at gmail.com. As always, subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a rating or a review on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This really, really helps new people find our show and we want to thank you all for listening. See you all next time. <laughs>